Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on the Paralegal Podcast. I'm Staff Sergeant DeLacy Curl. I'm joined by the fabulous Technical Sergeant Juana Schoonmaker. And we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about her career. And then we're specifically going to talk about how she is one of the few enlisted court reporters for the United States Air Force. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to be talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that I'm able to do this. So thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited that you agreed and to talk to us about uh, you know your career where you came from, where you are now, and how you are now excelling as a court reporter. Um, so I've, I've known Tech Sergeant Schoonmaker for a while. I got the privilege to work with her at Fort Meade. She was a fantastic NCIC of Justice. And, uh, you know, she mentored me and guided me for a while. And now she's off in uh, the fabulous Deutschland doing that court reporting. <laughs> so let's, let's take a step back, though, and let's talk about your early career. Um, so where did you join the Air Force? So I enlisted in Chicago. All right. Um, and then I went to basic training, you know, young, wasn't sure what it all was going to be about, but I was excited. So <laughs> and you, here we are now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's sometimes it's crazy to be like, how did this happen? Where, how did I get yeah. here? Um, so did you join as a paralegal did you or did you come in open general and then were assigned paralegal how did you end up with the 5j job so i came in open general um i kind of just you know wanted to get out of chicago and wanted to join the military um i had wanted to join the military right out of high school but my family said nope nope you can join you can join so i delayed that decision a little bit so when i took that plunge um, I really just kind of wanted to get out of, you know, Chicago as soon as possible. Um, and so waiting for a job, right, was, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to join, came in open general and see what the fate, you know, what was going to be my fate. <laughs> That's rolling the dice. I, I understand. I, I did the same thing, you know, came, came in open general like that and somehow I, Everybody's like, you ended up with paralegal? That's that's unheard of. That's that's a that was a, a prior service job only. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. No. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and you came through as a pipeliner probably right around the time they actually made that change, um, where they started allowing the non-prior service in. Uh, yeah, we. I wasn't the first class. I know we were one of. It was fairly fairly new just because they were still trying to figure things out and things like that but once they kind of you know when you pick your job at basic training mm -hmm. um i think paralegal was one of the options i didn't know what it meant it had like the one or two three sentence kind of description of what the job is and i put that as my number one i think and we had to get interviewed and then mm -hmm. we had to do that typing test um which I was like, well, I'm not a fast typer, but you know, let's see what happens. And was interviewed, and then I think there were, oh, there was I think like six or seven of us that came out of that basic training group, and that we became paralegals, and then went through um, three level together, and went our separate ways after that. So, do you feel like 
as uh, and this is just something that's interesting right now i think some of our, our younger viewers might be able to compare and contrast how do you feel as a pipeliner for you coming in in a time where everybody else in the career field was a prior service you know they had retrained out of another career field do you feel like there was a bit of a stigma against you initially where you know they were like oh you're 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 so new how could you possibly do this job when you when you need this air force experience to do it uh do do you feel like that you faced any kind of stigma um being a pipeliner at that time i don't think i don't think it was so much of a stigma i think it was more of a you know at least when i came in I was the only A1C in my office, right? I think there was a senior airman. He had been in for a while and the rest were NCOs and officers. And so, you know, compared to like my friends in the dorms where they had like friends that they can kind of like talk to at work and goof around. And I think for me, I think the expectations were different just because of the nature of our work, right? I felt like, um, Living you in know, the my friends- house. Yeah. Or like my friends would have all these stories of like, you know, the goofy things they would do at work. And, you know, for us, it was just kind of like from the moment you come in, you start doing Article 15s or at the front desk. And, you know, you're like you're hustling from day one and you're learning the job. And um, I do think that expectation of kind of, you know, you're going to you're here to work. You're here to be a paralegal. You're going to learn your job. I think was there where my other friends were learning how to be airmen. Right. And I think we were learning how to be a paralegal, how to process certain paperwork, learning the legal lingo um, and just, you know, doing briefings and things like that. That I think a lot of other crew fields don't get to do um, so young in their career like we do. That's, that's definitely an interesting concept. It's almost like airmanship by proxy. You know, it's like we're mm-hmm. we learn what we should be and should do and shouldn't do almost by viewing everybody else in their natural environment in a way and we yeah. sort of, and, and we sort of assimilate our, our experiences that way because we are you know in an office with captains and majors who haven't been in nearly as long as your typical captains or majors um, so it, it is interesting how we do sort of assimilate those experiences that way um, so how long did you work at the you know at the wing level i guess before you you made your transition out into your first paralegal uh, special duty um so i think it was after my third assignment because i was when i was an airman i was at beale um and i was kind of like an article 15 clerk and got introduced to courts um, and then after that, I went to Guam, where I really dove into like military justice, where, you know, I went from processing Article 15s to then processing my own courts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got to Andrews, I did operational law. Um, and then I did my first uh, kind of special duty, which was an SVP. So I would say it was I was a senior airman go- going to be a staff sergeant is when um, I got the opportunity to, uh, do something different. And so, and that's something different. That was when you became an SVP. I did. Yep. I was the special victims paralegal at Lake and Heath. (laughs) How did you enjoy that? I loved it. Um, I've been very lucky that every job that I've had, I've had to learn a new set of skills. 
um, kind of a different part of the law. Um, so it was, it was kind of nice to work for people instead of a process, right? Because you had clients mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and you really got to see the people side of kind of the military justice system. It was really interesting. That's definitely, I mean, and that's a, a very stark contrast from pushing courts and 15s at a wing, where, as you said, you're, you're pushing processes. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of times you don't see a person really except for a few milestones. So you're, you're pushing all the, this paper and it means something very heavy. But right. a lot of times we just sort of disassociate from that. Whereas you were consistently working with clients. Um, and I, I know def definitely from interacting with you, it seems like that was a, a very major part of your life. Do you feel like that was probably one of the more rewarding uh, aspects of your career thus far? It definitely was. I think it, it really made me see how what we do in the legal offices affects people right mm -hmm. and what delays does to maybe someone who's been the victim of a crime how that affects them personally professionally emotionally you know i think like you said you said it perfectly sometimes when we're processing these courts in the legal office we're a little dis disassociated with how it affects people's lives um and i think that was a big eye-opener for me you know when we're processing these cases or these article 15s um, these people are looking for closure. These people are looking for some sort of outcome. Um, and the better we do our job, you know, within the legal offices, you know, or, or even just as a special victims paralegal, you know, the better we explain processes to them, their options, their rights, you know, they just, they left maybe with not the outcome that they wanted, but at least they were informed and they can make decisions about their life you know, with that information. Definitely. So, I mean, there, there's empowerment through that process that, um, you know, you were able to help deliver to your clients. So that's, uh, mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely satisfying in and of itself. Um, so then, right, this is about the point in your life right around the time I met you after you were in SVP, you, you came to the fantastic Fort Meade to the, the wonderful... <laughs> NSA Washington campus uh, where we worked <laughs> together as and you were into IC of justice uh, for a relatively short time before then you hopped over to Andrews to work at JCE so what now that right completely different field I can't even <laughs> say that it, yeah, I can't even say that it's like a different ballpark right? I mean that's that's like a different game altogether uh, so what did you think about that? Right. I mean, what was that about and, and what did you, what did you, how did you feel about it? So, um, it was really interesting to see the operational side of what we do as paralegals and as drags, because I think, um, it's, it's so interesting to see. I think we're, let me back up a little bit. I think we're all so into the military justice side of what being a paralegal and being a JAG is in the Air Force, that I think sometimes we forget that there's other uh, aspects of the law that we, you know, that we process or that we help or that we advise commanders on. And the operational side was very, very interesting because we did civil litigation and then kind of how the environmental aspect is, is tied within our missions, right? From uh, 
from mitigate from mitigation to encroachment encroachment issues um, to just you know special operations missions you know and just different different aspects that I'm like I didn't even know that we did that as paralegals mm-hmm. right how is our maintainers processing you know their garbage you know affect the air force you know or even like our firefighters how they train and things like that um our special ops um you know when they conduct their training how does that affect um you know our air force and what are our responsibilities to our you know regulations to different laws and different environmental issues how can we as an air force make sure that we're doing the right thing Absolutely. Yeah, that that's one of those things where when I started learning about environmental law, it was just sort of mind blowing. They're like, all right, so we brought in a team of 67 scientists to determine how one missile, you know, off this archipelago, like how it's going to affect tidal erosion on this other island. And I was like, that's, that's incredible. It's like, you know, you just don't ever think about those tertiary effects. So I imagine working at JEC really does sort of open your eyes to that operational level. How does it affect, you know, the algae ecosystem <laughs> at, at a particular location? And you're just like, I, I never would have considered that. <laughs> uh, so I really, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know we had like, uh, <clears throat> you know, protected plants within our like uh, bases and things like mm-hmm. that and how we can build around those things and how we protect, you know, plants and, areas like at andrews i think we had a wetland areas and so some of those are protected so what do you know we have them within our bases what do we do that that is super interesting interesting. yeah it's super interesting stuff so this is now where we're, we're we're starting to get right back into where we are today which is out of andrews that was when you got picked up for court reporting. So let, let's talk about that. How did you how did you get the job? Right? Did you volunteer for that, or, or tell, just sort of explain a little bit how you came into being a court reporter? So typically, uh, court reporting jobs are advertised through AMS, um, and you know you click the button, you fill out, uh, you provide certain documents, um, and you then it gets reviewed by JT and AFPC, and then they see if you, if you qualify. But for me, um, I was kind of voluntold um, per AFPC, and I don't know how they determine this, I was the most eligible at that time for this particular position. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even know I was up for an assignment. <laughs> I was just uh, at the phone call out of nowhere. Um, saying, hey, you've been selected for this, you know, to be a court reporter. Um, But even though you've been selected by AFPC, the JAG Corps still has to vet you. And, you know, you have to fill out the application. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the application was, I had to take a hearing test, um, which I thought was really interesting. I'm like, why does a court reporter need a hearing test? Um, And then I had to submit letters of recommendation, and then just kind of like my EPRs, my PT tests, and things like that. All right. So, I mean, a pretty straightforward process. And 
Uh, you know, in, in a way, right? It's like probably initially you hear it's like, why does a court reporter need a hearing test? And then you think about <laughs> it when you've read some of the transcripts that you've read in your life. Now you're like, yeah, I understand why uh, a court reporter needs a hearing test because occasionally you get some really wild language in a in a transcript and you're like, all right, either somebody went way off the rails or I think my court reporter may have misheard that. Um, so yeah, that that's one of those uh, those things I, I could sort of understand how that would be like, well, that's weird at first. And then it, it makes a little more sense. So you got the job, you know, you, you flew off over the pond and now you're in Germany. What kind of training did you receive to prepare you for being a court reporter? So I went to a two week course at the Jack school, um, which was only for court reporters. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was put together and taught by other court reporters and our court reporter manager, um, which is Mass Sergeant Jamie Smith at the moment. Um, and so they just put together really from, kind of from, you know, what is a court all the way to how to use the equipment and how to put transcripts together, um, you know, it seems like two weeks is a long time, but sometimes I feel like that course could be longer just because of all the intricacies that go with all the court reporter equipment that we use, mm -hmm. you know, all the different rules that go into putting together a transcript and, you know, how to, you know, if, if there's, if should it be summarized, should it be verbatim, you know, there's all these different requirements for different transcripts, you know. So the, the two-week course, I feel like, could be a little bit longer. That makes sense. I mean, and that's one of those – that's another job where it almost seems like you really could have a lot of upfront technical education on it because it is so methodical um, compared yeah. to maybe even just the initial, like, 5J pipeline, right, where it's like, all right, this is great. This is all – there's a lot of theory here but you don't it doesn't click until you know you do it in a legal office and you see how right. the context really affects each of each of those events so i, I could i could definitely see why you you would say that you know you want to possibly have a longer initial course so you brought up equipment which is pretty awesome because i think we have staged a little show and tell for you so <laughs> Would you mind showing us some of the equipment that you use in your day to day and just sort of give us a like a brief overview of what that what it is and what it does? So, uh, you know, as paralegals, we've all been in a courtroom and we've all kind of seen the little area where the court reporter sits. Um, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but there's always been some sort of like black, like machine with lights on it, mm -hmm. right? I had no idea what that was. Um, I knew the court porter used it, but I didn't know what it what it did. Um, and so when you go to most courtrooms, most courtrooms have what we call a mixer, mm -hmm. right? And I think that is one of the most important uh, pieces of equipment that we own. I have one here. This is not the same one that um, is in most courtrooms, but it's pretty much the same thing, right? So this one is the Motu, um, and the ones in the courtrooms are DMX-8s. Um, but it's pretty much the same concept where you put in 
the microphones attached in the back and you have the buttons in the front that help you kind of, you know, adjust the sound, the volume and things like that. But each one, uh, each kind of like little where you connect it, like maybe this will be for the military judge. Mm -hmm. This will be for the defense counsel. And then you can adjust the volume and the sound for each microphone within the courtroom. But these are really cool. I was really scared about how these worked, but they're super easy. It's pretty much plug and play, which is kind of cool, you know, as court reporters when we travel to the different courts. Um, it's really nice that, you know, as an Air Force, we pretty much use the same equipment everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. any uh, forum that you go to. Um, but then we also have our court reporter laptops, which um, are super important because these these probably will never be on the network just because of the programs that mm-hmm. we have um, that connect to the mixers to help us record the audio in the courtroom. Um, and so it, it's really cool that we have those programs within these laptops. Um, and I think they're gamer computers. They the are. Ones. Yeah. They're, so that, that's something that JS actually, we, you know, we purchase those centrally, you know, with, in conjunction with like JT and we send them out because you are doing things that are far more, uh, like processor intensive than your traditional office worker. So, you know, you're running that mixer and you're running all of these devices into your computer. It's got to sort through all of that data. It's got to convert analog to digital. And then you've yeah. got to be able to take all of that on the back end and, and put it into a file. Um, so yeah, that compress it. So yeah, what you do, you are running probably like a Republic of gamers, uh, RGB lit keyboard, you know, so you got the rainbow keyboard going on and all that. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you you have a far better setup than most people. (laughs) Yes. And they're just, there's, I was surprised by how heavy they were like Mm -hmm. the laptops. We have two of them and they're just super heavy, but they, yeah, I, um, it's like a love-hate relationship, right? They help me do my job, but then I have to lug them around everywhere I go. But usually the the, the laptop is kind of what we, as court reporters, use. You know, we this is what's going to go with me to every court. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be my court reporter equipment, and each court reporter has their own court reporter kind of laptop. Um, and so that's what we attach to the mixers. Um, and these laptops have the programs that we need in order to record and transcribe because they're two different programs. Um, the program to record is called FTR for the record. Um, and that helps us record the audio, kind of take notes during court um, with the audio, kind of like do like the different timestamps of arraignment, you know, care inquiry findings things like that, that we can uh, timestamp um, so that when we're transcribing or when someone wants to listen a portion of the audio, we can easily, uh, you know, locate that mm. part of the audio. Um, and then the other program within our laptops is called Dragon, and that's what helps us transcribe, um, which takes me to my other uh, kind of show-and-tell equipment, and that's our uh, court reporter mask. Um, we're not, um, you know, we're audio kind of court reporters. 
where we speak into this mask and then we use the program Dragon to kind of help us transcribe, you know, what is being said in court mm -hmm. onto a Word document and, you know, kind of what the legal offices get, the transcript. But the cool thing about this is you have to train your dragon using mm -hmm. this mask. So I, and, I was about to ask you about that. How I, cause I have trained dragon before for personal use and it takes hours and hours and hours to get it right because it's got to learn your specific like idiosyncrasies to your voice. So how long did it take you to train your dragon? Oh, I'm still training it. And I've been in the job <laughs> since June. But one thing to kind of keep in mind is that, so for me, one of the biggest fears that I had before becoming a court reporter was English is not my first language. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I'm not very strong in grammar. I'm not, you know, sometimes I get a little caught up with my words and, you know, we're like, I think in Spanish, but then I have to talk in English. So that was one of my fears, right? So, you know, I was just really scared about, um, how English being my second language, how that would affect me being a court reporter, you know, if I, uh, if it was going to cause any challenges, but, um, one of the challenges that it did cause was when I was training my dragon to kind of get used to my voice um you know wasn't picking up a lot of what i was doing mm -hmm. um, so like i would say the word judges and it would say it'll transcribe churches <laughs> you know so just just really odd um but then the more i use it um the more it gets kind of used to my voice and the way i say things mm -hmm. um if I'm tired, it will affect what it's picking, how it's picking up what I'm saying. Um, you know, the way I'm saying things, the tone, um, it, it, it's really weird, but the more I use it, the better it gets. And I think what a lot of uh, people don't know is with every single case that you have, you're going to have to train it with maybe different names that you're going to mm -hmm. use. Um, you know, different witnesses or maybe different medical terminology mm. or different case law. Um, that's why it's so important for kind of like legal offices to provide us with that information ahead of time so that we can, you know, spend a little bit of time before the court training our dragon to pick up the name of a certain witness or a certain drug or a certain town where um, a crime took place. You know, especially here in Europe, when I travel, there's all these different names, you know, of different places where people are committing these crimes. Um, so if I train it ahead of time, it'll help me when I go to transcribe. Mm -hmm. um, I can use a code. So a lot of what our transcribing does is we use different codes. Um, so when I say the word Big Mac, it'll type in you know, M, capital M, capital J, you know, semicolon, you know, and that'll be for my military judge. And so when they're having those back and forth, I can just Big Mac, you know, <laughs> this Article 39 session is called to order, you know, all parties present, blah, 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 ACMAC, you know, that'll be the accused. So each person within the court has their own different code. Um, and all court reporters use different codes um and different kind of commands um for their dragon to help them tra transcribe faster 
That is incredibly interesting, and that is absolutely hilarious that the judge is Big Mac. <laughs> well, that's what I see. Uh, I don't know what other people use, but um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's just, if you can see, you just kind of gently, it has little air holes on the bottom, mm. but you just gently hold it against your face. Um, we do have kind of like stands, so when we're transcribing they attach to our chair or to the desk mm -hmm. so that way you don't have to hold it and um, you can type or you can be doing something else while you're transcribing. Okay. But, and I've seen some court reporters for like our civilian court reporters that have like goatees. I've seen them use different, um, different masks. Mm -hmm. So it takes some getting used to, but it does make our job and transcribing a lot easier. Yeah, that is uh, that is super interesting. Uh, the uh, the equipment, the skill set that you're learning, you know, which is far outside the normal realm of paralegal skills. Um, you know, you're gonna you could be a DJ by the time you get done with this. <laughs> essentially, you know, um, yeah. you you may not be uh, producing your own music, but you could easily set up all of that equipment and and run it. Yeah. So that's it's pretty yeah. nifty. Especially when we're like troubleshooting the equipment when we're in court where maybe something isn't working right or, you know, we're, we can't catch certain audio. You, The more you do this job, the more tricks you kind of learn. And mm. I'm so glad to have other court reporters to be able to turn back to and say, hey, I'm not getting the right timestamp on my, you know, on my player. What do I do? Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting to learn how to work all those audio and equipment. But those are kind of like the two, the three kind of biggest equipment that we have, like our most important equipment, which is the laptop, the mixer, the mask. Um, but then kind of like our, once we're transcribing, um, our headphones and our foot pedal are our next kind of like other types of equipment. Um, the foot pedal just kind of like helps us start and stop the mm -hmm. audio. Um, when we're transcribing, um, it makes such a big difference. I think one day I tried to transcribe without it and it was impossible to be able to click the audio to stop and yeah. start. The, it is it is nightmarish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this thing is really cool when we're transcribing. It just really helps with that. And of course, um, one of the first pieces of equipment that I actually bought with my own money, uh, the Jackboard does provide us with really good headphones um but i was recommended to kind of get other headphones mm -hmm. um just especially with me with like my accent um you know and and, and things like that with having problems with dragon not kind of catching my words um i ended up buying gamer headphones so you, you got they, the whole gamer setup <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know i just got these from the bx um and they just they work great you know where they cancel out any other noise when i'm transcribing i think one day i was transcribing um and i took off the headphones to take a little break and i was like oh there's like oktoberfest outside my office right now <laughs> i didn't even realize so that makes a big difference with being able to catch um maybe a witness that's speaking too low even though you can isolate that person you know, within the audio, but this just oh, makes such a big difference. And I'm able to have, you know, 
not many in audibles within the transcript. Oh yeah, that that makes a huge difference. Yeah, mm -hmm. good, good pair of headphones, life changing. Yeah. <clears throat> so how how steep do you feel like the learning curve was? Uh, right, I mean, you didn't have any prior court reporting experience, uh, you know, prior to getting the job. So how how steep do you feel like that curve was to to really become proficient at your job? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think core reporting is one of those jobs that I was really scared to do because I didn't know what it entailed. Um, I know when I was receiving the training, right, it was like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this, right? They were talking about all these equipment and all this stuff. And so I think learning the equipment was probably – the hardest for me because I'm not like, like a technical person. Um, so I think it that was that was hard for me. Um, I think the learning how to, you know, uh, do the transcripts and kind of what is and the marking exhibits. We as paralegals, we have a little bit of background on what how to mark exhibits, the proceedings of a court, right? Mm -hmm. And we've all, for the most part, have seen transcripts and put together rots and kind of know what it looks like um but i think the learning the equipment was the hardest um for me um everything else you have the background knowledge of it you're gonna be able to do it you know you'll learn there's afis there's checklists you know there's other court reporters so you can uh ask questions to um once i got to do it it wasn't as hard as i thought it was going to be um, but there's still so much that I still have to learn, right? Because mm -hmm. every case is different. Um, and so it's kind of like, oh, you know, this didn't happen at the last court. How do I, you know, put in about the Lautenberg Amendment, you know, on this mm -hmm. summarized transcript? Um, how do I make sure that that's mm -hmm. entered correctly within um, or summarized correctly within the transcript? So with the summarized transcripts, right, I don't know that anybody's ever walked me through that. How do you make that decision as a court reporter what is and is not relevant, right? I imagine, you know, you make the recording, you do your take on what summarized means, and you provide the recording and the transcript to the councils and the judge, and then they might have input on that. Am I on the right track there? Or, you know, what is what is your code uh, to, to allow you to create your initial draft of a summarized transcript? Yeah, well, a court reporter is a keeper of the record, right? Like we are making, we have to make sure that we keep track of everything that is going on within um, a hearing. Um, and so there are two types of transcripts. There's verbatim, um, when you, you literally type word for word, mm -hmm. everything that was said, everything that happened. Um, and then you have your summarized transcripts, which um, you kind of just put what happened, but not into as much detail. Um, and whether it's a verbatim or summarized transcript, that's based on the sentence mm -hmm. um, or, or if it's requested. Um, I personally prefer verbatim because I'm fairly new. And so 
trying to decide what to summarize or how to summarize it is very subjective, right? Um, you have your different kind of portions of, of the court, um, but it's kind of like, okay, well, this witness, you know, testified to all these things, right? Uh, they said all these things within uh, a one minute sentence. How do I summarize all that? Um, for me personally, I tend to put in, I think more since I'm a fairly new paralegal um, and I'm or a new court reporter, I'm still kind of like learning, you know, what has to be in there. Mm -hmm. For example, like findings has to be verbatim no matter what. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but then kind of if, if a witness is testifying, what do you put in there? Um, and I, I take it, I guess what I've been doing, I don't know how other court reporters doing, do it is I kind of listen to small portions of the audio. So a few seconds at a time. Um, and then I just kind of summarize that. I try to condense that into, you know, maybe one or two sentences, um, you know, and I have to listen to it a couple of times um, to make sure that I'm not missing something super important. Um, but once we're done, um, kind of like summarizing it, then the counsel will both the prosecution and the defense will get a chance to kind of review what you, what you wrote. Um, and that's fantastic because they can add something they can take away. Um, but whenever they suggest something, I do always rehear the audio, um, to make sure that, you know, it, the message of what is being said isn't mm -hmm. changed. Um, that the mm -hmm. message is still exactly the same. I'm not adding to it and I'm not taking away from it. Um, I don't think there's really a right or wrong as long as we're, uh, you know, kind of summarizing the best way that we can. Right. right. Um, I like accurately I think, reflecting the record and, and not putting yeah. a spin on it. Cause I was actually just thinking about that, right. As you, as you said that, uh, you know, counsel wanting to add things, possibly take things away based on, you know, what they deem important. And now given your prior experience, you know, being on the prosecution side, working for the SVP, do you feel like sometimes counsel might be trying to spin an argument uh, for like the appellate side and maybe whenever they do give you those edits, you know, it's like, so you're doing a, a summarized and maybe defense is like, Oh no, this, this isn't particularly relevant, you know, in the record of the prosecution wants even more because they feel like it, it might help later down the line. Um, no, not at all. I think just different things are important to different parties within the court, but the best part about being a, reporter is that I'm a neutral party mm -hmm. right I'm I'm there to record and report <laughs> um, and so I think I don't I think our Jags um, are, are really good about being ethical and making mm -hmm. those decisions I think just different things are important to different parties within the court um, but luckily I have the audio that I can always go back mm -hmm. um, to listen to make sure that um, that that's what what was or wasn't said um and then at the end of the day it's my transcript so i'm gonna make that decision you know about if i'm gonna take their suggestion or not 
But yeah, I think some sometimes they may, you know, want certain things in there. Um, and the audio is just my saving grace. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I mean, the, the record is the record. So that, yep. that makes sense. How do you feel like your workload now compares to being like at the wing, right? Where a majority of our paralegals are. How do you, how do you feel like that workload compares? Um, so I think it's, it's busy. Um, and I think a lot of the work that we do, um, let me see, how can I say it? We, as a court reporter, we're working for legal offices, right? We're helping them process um, a case um, by providing them with transcript. And so we have certain timelines and certain metrics that we as court reporters have to meet. And then there are metrics that the legal office has to meet with like the Moreno date and, and things like that and providing, you know, uh, rots and things to accuse and, and victims. So I think we kind of feel the same pressures, you know, as a court reporter when we're processing these transcripts um, because, because of those metrics, right? Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't want to be the reason that a legal office is bust a Moreno date. Um, and at the end of the day, it's someone's life, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's on the line there, right? Uh, you know, this transcript, a lot of times it's kind of one of the final steps of our military justice system, you know, before the appellate, the post-trial stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of. Um, starts but the cool thing is that if you got you got to think about it for every hour of audio that is probably like a full day of transcribing for me five to six hours mm -hmm. um so i i haven't sat in like a two-week court yet but you have court reporters that have two weeks worth of audio and you know sometimes that's six hours per day um so you know that there is a lot of transcribing you know after the court you know so if you have you know one day of audio six hours of audio that should take you about six hours or six days to transcribe i'm sorry mm -hmm. um someone who's new like me not only am i transcribing but then i also need time to edit on the on the back end um so I, I always let my legal offices know that i'm probably going to need six you know six days to transcribe and then six days to edit um so that way i can give them the best product possible but that's i think that's the only t that's the only kind of pressures that mm -hmm. i think we feel that are the same as when like when you're at a wing legal office um other than that i mean being in court, um, we, we travel a lot uh, as enlisted court reporters, um, where we're a little bit different than the civilian court reporters, where we are actually, we have an area of responsibility, um, different legal offices, and we go to all the different ones. Um, so the travel time, I think, you know, that takes a lot of time away from transcribing, doing personal things. You know, you have a doctor's appointment, Sorry, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you have court that day. Um, but 
other than that, I mean, you, you kind of, you know, you're in charge of your own schedule. Um, you know, even though I'm in the office with two judges and myself, um, they kind of have their things to do and I know what I have to do. Um, so I don't, I don't feel that like, want to say, you know, where you're juggling a million things Mm -hmm. in the, in the wing league office here, it's very defined of what it is that I'm doing, um, or what I have to do where I port and then I know I have my, uh, transcript, um, that I have to type out. So it's not as, um, as crazy, right? <laughs> you know, you, like the, you the can scope. have, yeah, you can have courts back to back where that might kind of, you know, you might have a big workload where you're just finished one court. You can't start transcribing that court right away because mm-hmm. you're headed to another court. Um, but we do have something that's called transcription assistance. Uh, whereas court reporters, we can request other court reporters who maybe aren't as busy help us transcribe the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. Um, I feel like probably the scope of the work is a little more narrowly defined versus at the wing legal office, right? You might be doing an article yeah. 15, then working a preferral package in the morning, and then all of a sudden you get six phone calls about private orgs. Uh, you know, and you're, you're and then trying, you have to go to a briefing. Mm-hmm, yeah, and you got to do the briefing. So it seems like the scope is a little more narrowly defined. Yeah, and you know, day to day, what you're going to be doing. It's you know, you're going to be court reporting. <laughs> yep, you're either going to be in court or you're going to be transcribing. So, and finally, you know, I just sort of want to touch on what what do you think the most satisfying aspect of the job is for you. I really enjoy the traveling. Um, I was really scared about that. I was, you know, I'm, I have three kids. Um, my, my husband's military as well. And so I didn't know how that was going to look for me. Um, you know, you know, who's going to take care of my kids, who's going to take care of the home. Um, but I think it's really satisfying to see how different legal offices, you know, process things, um, Interacting with different legal offices is really interesting to me. Um, being at different places is really interesting. Um, and just seeing the justice system as a neutral party, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just that is, you know, I, how can I say it? It's very cool, I guess, to just be able to be there and not be invested in providing a good transcript but not really um invested having a in the say outcome, yeah 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 it's really cool i i really enjoy it I, I really like it it's i was terrified to do this job i didn't think i was going to be good at it i didn't know what it was going to entail but i can say this is probably like my favorite job to date it's just you know you you get to like travel, you get to interact with different legal offices and you get, you get to learn a whole new set of skills that I think you wouldn't learn being at the legal office. Yeah, that's, that's, it sounds like, honestly, it sounds like a pretty great gig. Um, <laughs> so just to, just to close, right. Uh, I, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. What is something 
that technical sergeant Juana Schoonmaker would have told <laughs> A1C Schoonmaker, you know, if you could tell yourself something, what would it be? Uh, read your AFIs <laughs> and follow those checklists. Um, I think a lot of what we do is, is a process and there are answers out there to everything that we do. Um, and I think I was always so scared to mess up, right? Like I, I was terrified or how do I, how do I process this court, you know, but there, our AFIs are there, our checklists are there. Um, our job is, is hard you know, in the, in the, where we we're processing something that has a lot of like, you have to pay attention to detail, mm -hmm. but our job isn't hard because there's answers to things and processes and how to do them. Yeah. That's, uh, as one of my previous supervisors used to say, did you look it up? He, he would hit me with that before <laughs> I could even get the words out of my mouth. So I can, that is a fantastic sentiment right there. The, it's in the AFI. So I just wanted to, you know, thank you again for taking the time to, to do this interview with me and to really shed some light on what it looks like to be one of the few enlisted court reporters in the United States Air Force. Uh, so again, everyone, thank you for watching. Thank you to Technical Sergeant Juana Schoonmaker for taking the time out to talk to us. And we will see you next time.